I want to just talk about something that's real special to us. If you've been here for a year or more, you've probably heard me talking about this before. It's nothing probably new to you, but it's something that we feel like is really a mandate on this house. And so um, I'm going to share it again. I've had so many confirmations about it. I was praying about it when I went to sleep last night, and um, I had a cup of coffee way too late at night, and I was up praying a very long time last night. <laughs> Anybody ever do that? You know, smells good. You, you pull the trigger, and you drink it, and then you're laying there at like 2 in the morning. Oh. So I am prayed up. <laughs> but uh, I was praying, and I just felt like the Lord really wanted me to come back around and reestablish some things that are really foundational to this house. And one of them is something that we feel like um, we are part of, uh, being able to pioneer again. And it's about seeing the restoration of the fivefold ministry in the house of God. It's, it's something that anyone that's been to going to church for a while has heard about. And, but I hope you haven't heard about it. Maybe like we're going to talk about it. And so I'm going to talk about what does it look like? What does this new wineskin look like? What is this? Because how many know God's doing something really cool in the earth right now? And it's, it's, you know, if you just get on board, it's going to be a lot of fun. And so when we talk about the fivefold ministry, I think so many people have heard so many different sermons on apostles and prophets, or maybe you've been to churches where maybe they don't believe in apostles and prophets. Um, we're hopefully going to kind of just wreck that today in your head, and we're going to reestablish the importance of seeing the fivefold ministry operating. And uh, so if you have your Bibles, I want you just to go ahead and open with me uh, to Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to jump in right on uh, verse 11. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. It says this, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping, everybody say equipping, Equipping. of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. I'll read that one more time. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. So let's start right there a second. Let's just debunk a couple things really quick. Some people like to bring to the table, they say, well, you know, the, the unification of the body of Christ has already happened. That's a really bold statement to say that the whole body of Christ is already unified. Some would say, well, the unification, uh, that was talking about it, the completion of the word of God. Problem is, is that when Paul wrote that, he didn't know he was writing the word of God. So that one's, that one's nonsense to say, well, you know, what he meant was that the completion of the scriptures and Except for he didn't know he's writing scriptures. So that one's nonsense. So, so, so we see that there's this, this picture that is supposed to be operating in the house of God with this fivefold ministry. And it talks about them. What is the five? It's apostles, it's prophets, it's evangelists, it's pastors, and it's teachers. Okay? The thing about this passage is, is it, makes this, it makes this statement that until... It, 
these things are going to be happening to equip the body of Christ. One of the dangerous things that happens in churches is that we, when, when we take out, i got to do this really quick, um, when we remove the apostles from the picture or we remove the prophets from the picture, because pretty much what Western culture church is really familiar with is teachers, evangelists, and pastors, right? And no one in this room is, is you know, surprised at any of those. The problem is, is that when you take out of the picture the prophets and you take out of the picture the apostles, you have removed the two that are the ones that have typically a lot of hope and heaven that they release into the church. And so what happens is, is pastors and teachers and evangelists, they're very, don't get me wrong, they're extremely important to equipping the body of Christ. But the prophets are the ones that when they come in, they speak things and something in you comes to life. The apostles are the ones that can come in and say, they get, these, they get the blueprints from heaven. When you remove those two, you're left with a really hopeless church. Because you've taken out the voice of the two that really release heaven into the body of Christ. And, and so what has happened is, is I, really if you stand back and you look at it, it's, it's almost like you can just recognize the scheme of the enemy. It's so simple. Remove the two that bring heaven to earth and leave the three that don't get me wrong because I have a pastor's heart. I'm not bashing teachers, pastors, or evangelists whatsoever. But they're to partner with the apostles and the prophets. Remove those two and you end up with a really frustrated church. Because you've taken out the voice that typically, like uh, last February of this month, when Ivan Roman comes, show up. <laughs> show up, just show up. You'll be amazed when he begins to speak and he begins to say things that you're going to say, how in the world did you know that? But when he says it, all of a sudden, here's what you feel. God knows what I'm going through. You see, you see a pastor can love you and encourage you and help you. But a prophet comes in and says, I, you know, I just, I feel like the Lord is saying this. And you're like, oh my, what? He's like, what? I believe, I honestly believe that much of the negativity that has crept into the church is because we have pushed out the office of the apostle and the prophet. I really believe that. So, let's, let's, let's jump in for a minute on this, all right? Let's look at verse, um, let's, let's just read it one more time. Actually, let's start at 13 and let's go through 16. So, we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. To a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we no longer be children tossed into and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, can I get an amen, may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by whatever joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share, 
causes growth of the body and edifying of itself in love. There's something interesting, and I don't have time to, to, to dive into all of these, but my, my good buddy, Jonathan Welton, pulled something out of this that I had never seen before, but he said there's nine fruits that are actually listed in the Scripture that when the fivefold ministry is happening, there's nine fruits that you're going to see. The first one's unity. The second one, he said, there's a knowledge of him. There's maturity. There's full measure of Christ. He said, you're not going to be infants anymore. Don't fall into false teachings. Mature representation. Each part will do its work. And the whole body is built and connected in love. So many people are praying for these things when it's great to pray for them, but what Paul was saying, here's the thing you got to catch. There's a structure that God always meant to be operated in the house. And when you see it operating, those fruits are going to be released. And all of a sudden, you're going to have this really healthy church. It is so, you know, one of the beauties when I was sitting down here this morning and watching talented person after gifted person after gifted person get up on this stage, I had this little thing. It felt great. I said, I don't have to do it all. I mean, that feels really good. I don't have to do it all. And the beauty of it is, is when one man's trying to do it all, which is pretty much what the church has been used to, is we've created this position. We call it a pastor, but really what we want is you to do everything. That's why there's so many burnout pastors, because it's unfair to look at them and say, I need you to be my teacher, prophet, evangelist, and a little bit of prophetic and apostolic as well, but no pressure, but no pressure. The problem is the only person that ever walked on the earth that could do all five was Jesus. You can't, I can't, nobody can. He can. He's just that great. <laughs> So here's the thing. I want to talk about a little bit about, so there's this fruit that comes when the fivefold is happening in the church. But there is really, there's an interesting word. Paul is one of my favorite writers in the Bible because he writes these phrases that when he writes them, they're so packed. You can read it 10 times a day for the rest of your life, and I think something else will come about. Because you're like, I just got something else. And so Paul writes this passage, and he says this word. He says that these different fivefold offices have been given for the equipping of the church. Here's the thing about that word equipping. That word equipping is probably one of the least, one of the most misunderstood words, because first of all, that word is only used in the entire Bible right there, that exact one. That's it. And a lot of people have conferences, we're going to equip the saints. We're going to equip people, we're going to do this. And what the word actually means, if you were to go to a word search, there's a few different meanings for it. One of them that most people are the most familiar with is that you, it's a mending of a net, which is kind of cool. But the cool thing is that it's actually a Greek word, and the word is... Cartartismos, and what it means is, it's a medical word, it's a medical term, and it means this, it means to set a bone. Are you with me? Yeah. Hang with me, I know I'm, 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 I'm teaching a little bit this morning. Says the teacher. 
<laughs> the one teacher's like, amen. <laughs> they have this word. Paul, Paul is always working in the analogies of the body of Christ. He loves to talk about the body of Christ. He's, he's the one that's saying some's an eye, some's a leg, some's an ear. He's always talking with this, this, this thinking of a body. And he says this, he says, here's the deal. When you get these five-fold offices in place, what it will do to the body of Christ is it will set a bone. So the same implication for you would be that if you're having some, some sort of pain and you go to the chiropractor and, and they go to work on getting things adjusted in your body, how many of you know the interesting thing is when you leave a chiropractor, typically you're a little sore when you first leave. But then things begin to get corrected and you start to feel better. Here's the thing about when you bring in apostles and prophets, it typically hurts a little what they have to say. Typically, when they say things, it's like, oh, man, we were doing great. And then you drop that in the picture. And all of a sudden, they come in, and what they do is they, they adjust this bone, and it's, ah, oh, it's a little tender at first. But all of a sudden, you begin to notice that the church begins to be aligned. But the problem is, is that if you've got, one person adjusting you over and over in the same area, and you come in and you're all out of whack, but the pastor says, oh, I know how to adjust. Listen, guys, I'm not a chiropractor. We got like a bunch in the house, so ask all them questions about chiropractic. But the, what I do know is that, you know, if you've got the same person setting the same thing over and over, and your pain is down here, it's not here, you need to get, some, you need to get a, another individual, spiritually speaking, apostle or prophet that can set the bone and get you aligned in that area that you're out of alignment. Are you with me? And so the Bible says, Paul says, he says, listen, there are these five-fold offices that if you get them operating, your body is going to begin to get really aligned well. See, things are changing and it's so much fun. I have the opportunity, Mike is in my class over here, but I have the opportunity, every Tuesday night, I sit down on a, a Zoom call with pastors from all over the place. One of them's from Germany or Russia. Where is he? Germany. Germany. The guy stays up till like 12 or 1 in the morning to start our phone call. And all of a sudden, we're sitting down with all these guys, and we're, I'm mentoring them and pastoring, but what does it look like to pastor in New Covenant and fivefold Ministry? And here's the beauty of it. There's so many people that have a beautiful pastor's heart, but because the only model they've ever known in the church is that if you can't teach, you sure can't be a pastor. So then you feel like you never get to step into what God's calling you into because we've made this hybrid. When God said, you know what? We need people that just love people. We really do need those pastoral hearts that just love people. But at the same time, you kind of need the evangelists too, that you got all these lovey-dovey people that's saying, you need to get up and go out and reach people for the Lord. And so they kind of come in. Evangelists are a little rough typically when they adjust you. And, and then, you know, <laughs> you guys are like so serious. Get happy, lighten up. 
you've got all these different all these different adjustments that the Lord says, if you just bring in the five, I'm gonna, you're going to get the whole thing working and feeling good. And so what you have is you start having all of these people that said, you know, I've always felt like I have this pastoral heart, but I've never felt like, I, you know, I never felt a desire to preach. You know? Well, then you must not be a pastor because <laughs> a pastor preaches. See, that's changing. I'm working with some people that are pastoral hearts that work at Starbucks in my group. And quite frankly, he's a pretty good pastor. See, it's changing. And it's not easy. You want to know why it's not easy? You want to know the, the scary part for churches? For there to be a five-fold operating church, you can't be controlling so much. One person can't control so much. I've talked, I don't know how many pastors, and sat down and talked to this, and most of them are scared to death to touch the five-fold because the main thing they think is, well, who calls the shots? You're really too worried if that's the first thing that comes to your mind. That's, who calls the shots? Holy Spirit, that's a good answer. We need the evangelist to come in and to shake things up. We need the pastor to come in and to love you. We need the teacher to come in and to teach you. You see, some of these are really highlighted. Like, we have, like, the voice of the apostles, voice of the prophets. We don't typically have, like, voice of the evangelist, <laughs> voice of the teachers. But truth be known, truth be known. I was, uh, I was in a meeting once, a lunch with Bill Johnson when I first got credentialed. And it was a small lunch. And somebody asked him this question, said, Really blunt, right? He's like, are you an apostle? It's like, whoa. Just skipped right around all the fun talk. Yeah. And he's like, are you an apostle? And if you know Bill, it's really chill in his answers. And he looked at him and said this. He said, you know, he said, you kind of call me whatever you want to call me. He said, the problem with titles is he said, probably about half the people in this room have the wrong title. And the problem is, is you're trying to operate by a title opposed to a grace. And he said, there's a lot of you in this room that think you're a pastor, which you're actually an evangelist, which is why you're so frustrated that your church won't go out and evangelize, because you're really not a pastor, you're an evangelist. He said, some of you in this room, he said, you're a teacher, but you carry the title pastor. And he said, the problem is, is that when you carry, when you walk with a title in mind, instead of a grace that's on me, I know, I'm, I'm, I know some of you are like, I can see it in your eyes. You're, you're trying to keep up with me here. But when I operate with a title that's the thing that I'm trying to operate by, but it's not my grace, I feel frustrated all the time. Right. Because I'm saying, I'm saying that I'm supposed to be an evangelist. And I'm trying to be. But that's just not who I am. Because somebody put that title on me, so I feel like I have to be that. 
Here in the South, everybody's called pastor. It's like the word. Your ministry is pastor. You clean, you're the cleaning pastor. It's like you park, you're the parking pastor. I'm serious, man. Everybody I meet, that's like, oh, I'm the parking pastor down the road at that church. Truth be known, probably most of those people are pastoral hearts, actually, because they're really loving people. But everyone is like, well, I'm, you know, I'm the lyrics pastor at my church, and I'm computer pastor. And everything has got, but the problem with that is, is that all of a sudden, you know what? The church doesn't have a good representation of pastors because they only know the title, but they don't ever see really the grace. And so here's the thing that we've got to get to. Here's where it gets confusing is every time I preach on this, somebody says to me, well, what office am I? First of all, don't ask. <laughs> don't, don't look to me for all that stuff. But let me say this. First of all, you have to remember that the fivefold ministry has been given for the equipping of the saints. We need saints too. <laughs> it's okay if you're a brilliant business mind. You don't have to try to fit it into a fivefold office. It's okay. We need saints. So then you see there's something that I would call a grace and an office. Are you still with me? Some people I would say that you are a pastoral, you have a grace of a pastor on you. Now, it doesn't mean that you're called to be in the office of a pastor. You want to know one of the biggest differences? Can I give you like one of the biggest defining lines for if you're called to be in an office? People that are called to be in an office will naturally raise up more of themselves. If you're a pastor and you want to be in the pastor of an office or you feel called to it, you will be raising up more pastors. That's how I know when I meet somebody. That guy's like putting out pastors. And so what God's doing is he's beginning to take this lens off and he's beginning to say, if you would just structure things a little bit differently, you're going to see a really healthy church. And so what our heart is, is our heart is to say, what does it look like to actually model this today? Because some people say, well, I've been through the whole, I've been through the apostle thing. I've been through the prophet thing. I've been through all that control. Listen, here's the deal. Jesus was the chief apostle, and he washed feet. So if you're an apostle, but you won't wash feet, you've, you're, yeah, you get it. People walk in and tell me, I'm this. I'm, I'm a prophet. My email even says I'm a prophet. True story. It says it in my email. My response usually is, that's wonderful. Have you made any coffee yet? See, so Jesus kind of set this model where he said that it's the ones that serve that will be elevated. It's the ones that give that will be lifted up. And he's the one that says, yeah, I'm the greatest, but I'm going to wash your feet. He set this example that this, this nonsense of control that has been attached to this message on the fivefold is being destroyed. It doesn't have to be controlling. People get into this thing, well, you go into 2 Corinthians, and it says this. It says, well, there's an order, first apostles, second prophets, and it goes through them, right? Right? 
So here's what you think. Well, if we're doing it from first to last, that means that first must have all this control. No, first have more to serve. So they require a greater grace and authority because they have a greater influence. You understand that it's not about control. That's the problem that we've gotten into. We've gotten into buying into the word that we've taken the word authority, power, and control and wrapped them all into one. And then we've really gotten in trouble because now we think they're all synonymous in a sense. And they're not. You could take a police officer. You've got a gun. That's power. You've got a badge. That's authority. But you've also got a police officer that can misuse it and be controlling. Authority and power is important. You need them. And so when the Lord established this first apostle, second prophets, it wasn't that the apostle was on top saying, well, here's what you can do. I've read stories about the movement with apostles and prophets that said that people would have to ask for permission from their apostle to buy a refrigerator. Like, 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 nuts. Nuts. And here's Paul. He's saying, you know, if you get all these working, you're going to be amazed how good your body feels. Yeah, it might be a little sore when they come in and... Some of you, Ivan may get you in three weeks, and he may... He'd be like, well, I don't know about that. I mean, all that stuff about blessings and stuff, I agree with that. But, I mean, that... They'll align you. Are you still with me? Yeah. Just, just skipping through a little bit because I, I don't have time to go through all this. He said this, if you want to write it down, 1 Corinthians 12, 27 is where he says there's first apostles, uh, first apostles second prophets, third teachers, and then it goes on. The problem is not order. The problem is hurt people that have been abused by control. And they've, been, they've used words and they've slapped words on things like submission. They've slapped words on things like covering. When it was really used to control. And it hurt people. And so when I come to you, and I talk to you about a message of these guys or gals are first, second. Well, no, we're all equal in the kingdom. See, there's so much weight on someone that's been called to be the office of a, a prophet. But you don't want to try to even walk in that if that's not what you are supposed to be in. You don't want to. You don't want to try to be in the pa- the office of a pastor, if it's not the grace that God has put on you. Because what happens is people get hurt. And because we've had so much of this control in the church, people see it through their past experiences. They see it through their filters. That's the beauty of why we do this ministry called Sozo. 
That's the beauty of it, is because what we do in is we come help you take those glasses off that you have seen through this filter for so many years, and all of a sudden you take them off and it begins to get clear that there was something in me that was hurting and affected everything that I saw. Some people will, this is important, especially you prophetic people in the room. Listen real carefully because I'm very prophetic myself. Prophetic people are some of the most important people that you make sure to keep your hearts in alignment. Because gifts are irrevocable. Your platform is revocable. But gifts are irrevocable. The Lord doesn't give it and then take it back. So a gift is irrevocable. That's why you meet somebody that's incredibly prophetic and they don't even know the Lord, but you can sense the gift on them. You ever felt that? See, there's things that you begin to tap into. You go and you see things and you're like, whoa, what was that? I know the movie that's like booming right now is this movie, Greatest Showman. There's a reason this movie is booming. It's because whoever in the world put the movie out had so much kingdom on it. And whether they knew it or not, it's blowing people's minds. Because when you watch it, you walk out of there and say, what, what, what did I just watch? Anybody know what I'm talking about? And so all of a sudden, you meet these people. I love it. I was at a restaurant recently. I, was, uh, I went out to dinner, and this little kid came up to me. It's the coolest story ever. I had a rough day, right? But I was covering it pretty well. Right? I wasn't. I was going out on a date with my wife. I wasn't going to act like a jerk. You know, I'm putting a cool face on, and we're, we're at uh, this restaurant down on Providence. They're standing in line, and this bunch of these, like, 13-year-old kids come in. Right? Like, like, like six of them acting like they're, you know, they're 18. You know, they come walking in. What's up? And, and they come in, and, and this one little kid looks at me. He's like, I'm standing there, and t- ask Tiffany. He turns around, he's like, Hey, <laughs> hey, and he says, you cool? I don't know this kid. My, yeah, he's like, you feel tired to me. Here I am, I should be like, pray for me, <laughs> pray for me. Oh, I just love me, kid. <laughs> Please show up, you know, really weird. Pastor gets drug off to jail. You know, <laughs> I'm just like, come on. And the kid, I go sit down at my table, and then all of a sudden you feel this connection off of him in the spirit. And he's sitting there, and I feel him. I feel him like, <laughs> it's hard to explain that stuff, but I feel him like drawing off of me to a degree now because we've connected in the spirit realm. I told Tiffany, I said, I said, that kid's like a prophet. <laughs> I said, I can't walk in. He's like, hey. I'm like, first of all, it's definitely bold like a prophet. I said, second of all, I said, he called me out, and he was super cool. I'm like, like who, who is this kid? And see, that's the thing about prophets. Now, if I took that kid and said, hey, all right, you're called to ministry. You're supposed to be a pastor. And all of a sudden, this kid who's got this crazy prophetic gifting is like, well, I'm just supposed to now love on people and go to hospitals and do this and do this. And all of a sudden, they feel like because they can't accomplish it, I stink at ministry, so I'm going to quit. And then they leave burnout because no one ever taught them that there's actually more in ministry than just preachers, teachers, and evangelists. And so here's this, here's this little boy that I see these kids, and I'm thinking, this kid's like, 
Put him in the school of prophets, man. He's like a young prophet. But here in the South, we say, well, if you're in the ministry, you're going to be a pastor. And he will never be able to feel like he can succeed because he's trying to be a title and not a grace. You want to make people, you want to create an atmosphere where people can begin to thrive. You want to know what's happening in this church. You want to know why people are showing up. It's really simple. We're creating an atmosphere where people can just thrive in the grace that's on them. We're not putting them through a 200-step program. It's just, I recognize it. Now, some people say, well, I come in, and there's some interesting things I could I could go on longer than I need to, but there's some interesting things that if you read on, actually, in 2 Corinthians also, uh, Paul makes this remark. He says, you know, I'm an apostle, but I'm not an apostle to everyone. So now we're throwing a whole new side of things in. He said, you know, I'm an apostle, but I'm not everyone's apostle. I have some people that come in and and they say, well, I'm an apostle or I'm a prophet. Well, the, the office, you may be in that office. It doesn't mean you're an apostle or prophet here yet. I'm not saying I deny the office you're in. But Paul said it wasn't for everybody. You guys learning anything? <laughs> this, is, this, is my, this is my thing right now. This is so important. So you have first apostles. Why are they first? I believe because they have the most authority. Because they have to clean the most messes. You know, I'm a parent. I have three kids. And there is... (laughs) My kids make messes, lots of them, and we decided to get a puppy that also makes messes, Mm. on top of another dog and another cat. But here's the thing, if I'm going to encourage my kids to do something, but they're so scared to not make a mess. They're never going to step out and try anything because if they feel like they're going to get the wrath of dad because they made a mess, I'll never try anything. And that's what we've created in the church. People say, I want to be a spiritual parent. I want to be mother, father, whatever. It's great. That means you're going to clean messes. It's basically another way of saying that. You're a mess cleaner. I am not somebody's spiritual parent, so I get to cling on to their glory. I'm their, I'm their spiritual parent because I say, I want you to do great things. And I'll surround you. And when people come at you, I'll take some of the hits. I can take it. But I want you to feel the freedom to go for it. The fivefold offices are not about how many servants you have. It's about how many you serve. It's not, about, it's not about, you know, 
people surround me. And I'm trying to break some really important mindsets that have got, I feel like, crept into the church that we're trying to really correct some of those things. Because it's not about me coming in and saying, I have all these people that serve me. It's about us saying the reality is, is I come in and I serve you. And people that I say, that say they have that grace on their life or they're in that office, I immediately begin to recognize, do you serve? I really don't care how much you're served. Do you serve? <laughs> Let's bring this together. Remember the first scripture we started off, it says the purpose of these offices are to raise up and equip the saints to do ministry. Something else we have to realize with equipping, it's not good enough just to equip people. We have to empower people. You can equip an incredible athlete their whole life, but if you never put them in the game, what good is it? You remember when, sorry, I don't ever use sports analogies, but I'm going to give it my best shot. For anybody that is a football fan, I don't know if you remember, but for the longest time, the Packers could not get Brett Favre to take a seat. Like, he just kept wanting to stretch it out. But here's the thing. They knew on the sidelines they had Aaron Rodgers. And he had been equipped and equipped and equipped. This quarterback had been equipped, 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 and they knew what was in him, but they had to give him space to get in the game and play. And I remember when all this stuff happened with, I'll never forget, because my wife's family, they came from Wisconsin, and they're big Packers fans, and that's like part of the wedding vows. If you marry into a Packer family, you have to somewhat be supportive of the Packers. And, um, and so when I, when I married into their family, this, this really not that big of a football guy, I became a Packer fan. And uh, I, remember, I remember when Brett Favre was the hottest thing, and he was an amazing quarterback for many, many, many years. And I remember when they were trying to get him to retire, everybody that was a Favre fan was like, leave him alone. So for the coaches were saying, we know what's on the bench. We have to make a spot. The five-fold ministry is really about taking the people that have sat on the bench and making space for them to get into the game. And it's saying whether you are a saint, whether you are not in the office and you just have a grace, or whether you are a five-fold, in the five-fold office, we have to make room for you. And where the room is made is when we begin to just recognize, that's what I pray over people. I pray, what is, I'm always feeling, what's the grace on you? What's that grace on you? Some people I meet, I'm like, man, you have prophetic grace all over you. You see, they're all really pretty easy to talk about. Let me, let me finish it on a, on a fun note. You see, apostles are the guys that, in my mind, they, get, they, get, they really get blueprints from heaven. They're the guys that have amazing, fresh input that's like, where did that come from? Where, where in the world, you know, where did you get that? And they take a lot of heat because really what they do is they come in and they change everything. That's their job. That's their grace. 
is typically to come in and to say, here's what I'm feeling. Let's just switch this around a little bit. It's raining more. <laughs> Everybody's like, ooh, I don't know if that's for me or the rain. <laughs> then you have prophets. You know you, know you, you know you begin to notice somebody who's ever got the prophetic gift and the prophet. Prophets' minds are always like going everywhere. You know what I'm talking about? Prophets are the guys that like, they feel so much. I, I have a lot of prophetic grace on my life, and prophets, prophets are like the guys where they're at a restaurant, and I've said it this way before, they're trying like to order a sandwich, and at the same time, they're getting a word of knowledge for the person to the right of them, and then someone else is feeling like, hey, would you pray for me? And prophets have this thing where it's like you just, you can recognize the grace on them because they have the ability to pull heaven to earth, and people feel it. Then you have the teachers Here's the thing about teachers. Teachers are committed to getting you through the process. A good teacher says, I got to get you through the process. When people preach and they just throw out a phrase and they're like, I'm just going to leave that there, sit on that. It's typically not a teacher. That would drive a teacher nuts. They're going to go back and they're going to listen to their podcast 12 times and say, could I have preached that better? How could I change that? And that's okay because that's who they're called to be. Pastors, they have one thing in heart and mind. We have to love people. Love them. And you, you know when you come across the church with a really, really good pastor because everybody's so happy. Yeah. <laughs> and we're just happy. But if there's, not, if there's not any other offices in our church, we're happy. We're not really doing anything, but we're happy. We're not advancing the kingdom at all, but man, I feel good about myself because pastors love them. And then you get the evangelist who typically really make bad pastors because they're just like, go now. And they're like, well, I mean, I had a bad day. It's okay. Go lead someone to the Lord. You'll feel better. Go. And like, man, you know, pastor. You know, the, it's like, well, you know, how about some counseling? You know what? Let's talk about what is the truth. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know he loves me. Then there you go. <laughs> now go tell someone and you'll feel better. <laughs> here's the thing about evangelists. Typically, they can actually build really large churches. They honestly can typically build huge churches. The problem is, is they're full of people that don't know their identity typically. They just know they're saved. And to go save more people. Because the Bible says, go and make salvations. Go and make disciples. I think you guys have taken about all I can give you today. <laughs> this is so important because I've, I've been around so many people that are so burnt out and they've tried so hard to be what people call them. But I can come around them and I can immediately so often sense that is not your grace. Why are you even trying that? What would it look like if the church 
was full of the fivefold. I'm going to read it and I'll close on this and we'll read them again. It's listed in Ephesians. There'd be unity. Don't confuse uniformity for unity. Unity does not mean we all believe the same thing. There was an awkward silence in the room. <laughs> I disagree with my wife at times. Doesn't mean we're not in unity. It just means we had a disagreement. There would be a knowledge of him. People will begin to know who he is. You know the beauty of that? Then you actually get to know who you are. There'd be maturity. You know, I love mature believers. I really do. Because they don't go out the door in a huff and a puff when something goes wrong. I say they're, they're mature enough to know, if I'm going to sit in a room with 175 people every week, someone's going to say something dumb. Someone's, I hear it every week, trust me, someone grabs me and it's like, you could have said that really differently, but I hear your heart. I really hear your heart. You see, you begin to experience maturity. There's this full measure of Christ. That's a whole other sermon. We're not infants anymore. Now just remember, Paul is the same one that said, let's get away from the elementary things of Christ. Like, Raising people from the dead. This is the same guy. So when he says, when the fivefold is in the house, you're not going to be infants anymore. You're actually going to move on to the bigger things, like leading whole cities to Christ. <laughs> when that fivefold's in the house, he says, you're not going to fall into false teaching. That's the hilarious argument against the fivefold, is they call it false teaching. And then Paul's saying if you actually have it operating, you won't fall into false teaching. The actual accusation against it is the thing it protects you from. He said you'll be a mature representation. That means when people see you, they want what you carry. He said that you'll do, every part will do its work. And my favorite, the whole body will be built and connected in love. This is a, quite a different take than what a lot of people have heard or grown up with or come from when we talk about fivefold ministers. I just happen to believe if we could get people in the right place, they could really thrive in life. And sometimes it means letting go of a title that you got used to. To actually get to live where you want to be. Amen. I think it's important. I think it's what God's doing in the earth. And I think it's a wave that's hitting the earth right now. Of a restoration of the church. We don't need any more... It's not helpful to have a bunch of hurt, messed up people going out and telling other people how much God loves them and 
hurting and messing up more people. When we're trying to get to the place where we can be a mature representation of him. I'm not saying you're perfect. I'm just saying you're a mature representation of him. That can go out and say, yeah, I got my flaws. But I know who I am because I know who he is. Amen? Let's stand up. I just squeezed three sermons into one.